In each of our lives, there are places where we feel completely stuck. Sometimes it's us who continues to drive that nail deeper. Sometimes it's situations outside of our control. Maybe you've tried to pull the nail out for years and try as you might, it just seems impossible. But what if there was a way to experience lasting freedom and hope? What if there was a way to break free? If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm so glad that you're here today. We're going to be talking a lot about freedom over the next couple of weeks. And before we dive into the sermon content today, I want to talk about a moment that you have after the 1115 service. 20 months ago, we began an initiative, and our goal was no small task. We wanted to do our part to crush human trafficking in the nation of Belize. Our CTK Global Ambassadors, Brian and Tracy Hall, are on the ground right now in Belize. And at 12.30 in room 216, we're going to host a live Zoom call with Brian and Tracy from a place that we call The Hub. Joining them will be a young man who is a warrior and puts his life on the line rescuing victims every single day. Because of safety issues... There's no way for anyone to join us electronically outside of the sphere of what's going to happen in the room. We can't record the meeting. We will also not be sending out notes because of the safety issues with those involved. So the only way to experience it is to be in the room at 1230. And so if you'd like to come and join us, we would love for you to do that. If you'd like to follow Brian and Tracy, you can go to Instagram and just type in CTK Global Ambassadors. They send out prayer requests. They share stories. They're very sensitive to what it is that they are doing with regards to safety issues. But if you'd like to follow them, I'd encourage you to grab Instagram, CTK Global Ambassadors. That's today, 1230 in room 216. If you've ever dreamed of going to Israel, we have an opportunity for you. We're doing an interest meeting. That'll happen next week after the 1150 service in room 216. I know many of you had hoped to go over the last number of years with COVID. We canceled, I think, three times, which was no fun for anybody, but we've got another opportunity coming later this year. If you'd like to join me for that info meeting, that would be great. Harry Houdini was a legendary escape artist, made a career slipping out of shackles, picking locks, breaking free of straight jackets, jail cells, and getting out of milk cans full of water. His feats of escapism captured the imaginations of people around the world. History tells us that Houdini would often go to a city, lock himself in the town's jail, and as a publicity moment would guarantee that he could be free in 15 minutes or less. On record, he succeeded every single time with one exception. There's an unverified story that one time Houdini did not succeed. He feverishly tried to pick the locks of a town jail cell for more than two hours. What stymied him was a simple fact. The door was never locked. Houdini believed there was no escape, so he just finally gave up. Nobody knows if the story's actually true. It's been told is true for years, but nobody knows if the story's actually true. But the point holds true. Many of us are shackled in a prison of habitual sin, thinking we can never be free of whatever that besetting issue is for you. That stubborn habit, that poor repetitious choice, that recurring prejudice, that repeated behavior pattern. And the truth is this. I'm going to give you the punchline of the whole series right at the beginning. Your imprisonment is a lie. 
It's a lie. The door to freedom is not locked. And in this series, we have one goal. We're going to tap into the truth and power of God so that we can break free. The question is, what are we breaking free from? For some of us, it's obvious. It's an addiction. We're addicted to a vice like pornography, gambling, or overeating, or shopping. Or we're addicted to a numbing agent like alcohol, a substance, prescription or not. Or for some of us, it's a toxic relational pattern, and we use all of them to cope. Because without it, whatever it is for you, life just feels unbelievably unmanageable. To my recovery brothers and sisters, we are talking the same language right now, aren't we? For others, it's a persistent behavior pattern of anger or lying or lust or even apathy. And we're going to tackle that one head on all the way through because the truth is some of us just don't care enough to take on our besetting sin. And we don't think that's a scriptural issue either. But to those of us who think that's not that big of a deal to do nothing about something you know you should do something about, I'm going to read a scripture to you. To the one who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Some of us know exactly what it is. We just lack the hope to believe that it can actually be crushed in the powerful name of Jesus. For others, it's that instantaneous but compulsive attitude of judgment or critical assessment. It's not biblical. It's not godly. You just default to critiquing anyone and everyone because you can. For others, it's a constant need to spread information in the form of gossip. And you just can't bring yourself to stop because after all, somebody needs to share that prayer request. For others, it's that perpetual justification of worry. Even though Jesus commanded us, do not worry, you remain in a constant fear, uh, a prison of fear or anxiety or what might happen tomorrow. Some of you are really hoping my list is done. And you think because I didn't mention your besetting sin, you're thinking, whew, I'm good, I'm good. Besetting simply means your issue is constantly there. It's always present. It may recede and press back in again, but it's always attacking who you are. And some of you are thinking, you're off the hook because my list didn't include your thing and, and you've been thinking all the way along that, that I hope he doesn't say my particular issue or maybe there's a few of us in the room who are even saying I don't have anything like that. Well then your besetting issue is denial, pride and arrogance and we're really glad to have you on this journey. <laughs> we all have something we trip over again and again and again. We all have a default sin that's defied our very best effort to crush it. And we live in shame because when the pressure comes, we keep running back to it over and over again. We've tried to pray it away and discipline it away and serve it away and preach it away and wish it away, but it just keeps showing up in our life. And we're running out of hope to believe we're ever going to be able to change or be victorious. I've learned this from personal experience, and I am speaking on this series from personal experience, not because I have arrived. Habitual sin confirms something. It confirms that you've forgotten who you are and who Jesus is. 
Let me adapt that a little bit. Habitual sin confirms you've forgotten who you are, and you should add two words there, in Christ. You've forgotten who you are in Christ and who Jesus is. You see, the devil wants to convince you you are what you did, you will never have victory, and the door of your personal prison is never going to swing open. The way he convinces us of that lie is by distracting us from who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is. And I'll tell you, this is exactly how he goes about it. The devil exhausts us with thoughts of shame, new and improved coping mechanisms, behavioral management through self-help, and that lovely old saying, just fake it till you make it. At exactly the same time, he is distracting us from the truth that the door to freedom is not locked. Jesus stands in front of us stating truth. Jesus says, you are my child. You have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You are complete in me. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are redeemed. You've been bought back with my precious blood. Your enemy says you're a sinner because you sin. I say you're a saint because you can be forgiven and live in holiness. Your enemy says your identity comes from what you've done. Jesus says, I see your identity because of what I've done for you. Jesus begs us to understand this truth. You're not a prisoner. You're not a slave to sin. And you can have victory because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let's just stay with this, okay? When you deal with habitual sin, and that's what we're going to do over the next number of weeks, You don't start with the sin, you start with the Savior. Let me say that again. You don't start with the sin, you start with the Savior. Luke chapter 4. Jesus comes to Nazareth, the town where he grew up. And he heads to the synagogue. If you'd like to stand in that synagogue, I'd love to take you there. Meeting next week. (laughs) Jesus comes to Nazareth, and the assistant rabbi takes down one of the ancient scrolls And Jesus reads the words of Isaiah. I want you to get this picture in your mind. The whole room is completely silent when Jesus says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus says this in in the passage in Luke. We're going to finish it in just a second. But then he says this. He goes, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Drop the mic. Everybody freaks out. What are you actually saying? If you read the rest of the chapter... In Isaiah, it says, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, and they will be called. This is God talking about you. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Jesus is saying, before you get fixated on trying to fix a sin, start with the Savior. Jesus is saying, 
I'm the Savior. Start with me. And in one utterance of Isaiah 61, this truth is rendered. Jesus is your God. Jesus is your hope, your healer, your liberator, your deliverer, your messenger, your comforter, and your transformer. That's just good Bible. Somebody say amen. I mean, that's just the beauty of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I came to set you free. He's saying, if your heart's broken, I can heal it. If your prison is unbreachable, I can break it. If the darkness is so oppressing to you, I can bring light. If your hope is gone, I can bring favor. I will exchange ashes for beauty. I'll take your grief and mourning and transform it into dancing. I'll receive your despair and transform it into praise. Oh, you might look like a tiny little insignificant acorn right now, but through the power of God, you have the potential to become and a promise to become an oak of righteousness because Jesus is the author of grace and he has grace that is greater than all of our besetting sin. So when you deal with habitual sin, you don't start with the sin. You start with the Savior. If you start with the sin, you're participating in something that's very popular these days called self-help. Can I tell you something? Self-help doesn't help anybody because this self is a complete jerk. (laughs) Anybody else notice that? We don't start with the sin. We start with the Savior. Secondly, when dealing with habitual sin, you don't start with who you think you are. Because I know something about people that are wrapped in habitual sin. We all think that we are an absolute waste of humanity. You don't start with who you think you are. You start with who the Savior says you are, who he declares you to be. I was just flipping through my Bible last week, and I ran into the most amazing stuff. (laughs) Jesus declared, you are more than a conqueror. Jesus said through the Apostle Paul, nothing, nothing, can separate you from the love of God. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. (laughs) Jesus said, you're mine. I chose you before the foundation of the world. Jesus said through the Apostle Paul, for we know our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. One more. God said again through Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to hear this verse a lot over the next number of weeks. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5, 1. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. I can say this with the full authority of Jesus, the Son of God. This year, at this church, will be a year of freedom. This is a year of liberty. This is the year of the Lord's favor. And we're going to see, in the first two months of this year, we're going to see chains fall. We're going to see old patterns get ripped out of old patterns. We are going to see God set free captives over and over and over again. So I need some help with this. I'm going to need a little bit of crowd participation. If you guys could step with me, I want you to say this. This is my year of freedom. Say it with me. This is my year 
of freedom. Now, I need you to understand something. We're still sitting in the jail cell. But the door is unlocked. Here's the challenge. There's something inside of all of us that believes that our sin is just different than everybody else's. Our stuff is unforgivable. Our stuff is just a little bit more broken than all the nice, tidy people that are sitting around you. Can I tell you something? On behalf of the people that are sitting around you, they're not nearly as tidy (laughs) as any of us would like to think they are. We've all got a piece of this. There's something inside of us that believes that amazing grace is for everybody else, but, but just not for us. We're going to abolish that lie in this series, but for now I want to remind you of something. King David, a man after God's own heart, that's how scripture describes him. King David had a chronic problem with lust and power. Abraham and Isaac lied, lied, and lied some more. Moses had anger issues, deep anger issues. I'm just telling you, when you try to beat up a rock with a stick to make a spiritual point, you've got anger issues. It's kind of the same as what you do to your steering wheel on the guide meridian every other day. Gideon dealt with chronic insecurity. Jonah had this constant victim mentality that tripped him up over and over and over again. Solomon, the man of wisdom, struggled with misapplying his own wisdom. Not once, not twice, over and over and over again. Hezekiah was a powerful and successful king. And then the Bible says, until he became proud. Paul, the apostle, who wrote large chunks of the New Testament under the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God, constantly struggled with the fear of man. That's not my assessment. That's Paul's self-assessment. These are giants of our faith and they struggled. It's okay to struggle. Listen to the Apostle Paul struggle. He said this, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of which I am the worst. And I don't know about you, but but I read that verse and my eyes automatically go to that last little section. And I start qualifying myself along with the Apostle Paul. Yeah, I'm boy. I'm the worst. I'm broken. I'm shameful. I'm a failure. That's not what this series is all about. This series is about the first part of that verse. The first part of that verse said... Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. The best news for sinners is there's a Savior. So, with all of that being said, you're not going to fill it in right now. You're not going to write it down on a piece of paper quite yet. You're not going to pull out your phone and start typing things but I want to lead us into a moment of truth and transparency. Do you have the courage to fill in the blank? My besetting sin is 
blank. Don't do anything with it yet. It takes a lot of courage to fill in that blank. I want to remind you again, a besetting sin is one that we constantly and continually struggle with. We've got a weakness towards it. If you've forgotten, it could be selfishness, self-centeredness, pride, anger, prejudice, a substance, an attitude, gossip, lying, competition, a critical spirit, denial, judgment. It could be so many different things. And it takes courage to say it out loud, but, but you can't allow Jesus to break it free if you're not willing to acknowledge it. So before you take a moment and fill it in, whether you want to do it up here, down here, or on a piece of paper, before you take that moment and fill it in, I just want to address two areas, two tendencies when it comes to habitual or besetting sin. The first one is this, and I have to say this out loud. When we talk about besetting sin, there's a natural human tendency to identify this sin in somebody else. Our eyes just naturally shift to the sin of another person because it's just so blatantly obvious to you that if they would fix their issue, you'd be better. Let me say this bluntly. Keep your eye on your own stuff. Some are like... Because <laughs> you're sitting beside somebody. And maybe you've been together for a really, 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 really long time. Which means you have a really, 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 really long list of all the things. And if they could just get a handle on them and get them fixed, life would just be so much better. Our eyes just naturally shift to the sin of another because it's just so obvious and our motive to fix them may even have started in a virtuous place. But right now, can I make an appeal? For the next number of weeks, can we just focus on ourselves? That's who Jesus is focused on. Working on you. So the first tendency is to shift. The seven, second tendency is to ignore. When it comes to besetting sin, the second tendency is to minimize, downsize, or justify the besetting sin. Because the truth is this, you think that you've been dealing with it for so long that, that now you're blind to it. The truth is this, you are not blind to it. You've just ignored it for so long, it's become an accepted part of who you are. The phrase that we use is, this is just who I am. No, it's not. That's actually an insult to the God who created you. You're going to make a decision over the next number of weeks whether you're going to choose to ignore it or whether or not you're going to drag it out into the light. Here's the beautiful promise. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, all kinds of incredible things begin to happen. This prayer is going to become a focal point during this series. I'm going to read it to you from Psalm 139. As a very broken human being writes these words, it's a plea. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. 
That is a dangerous prayer. Don't pray it if you don't have some courage. Let me read it again. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Here's the tough part. Test me. Like, God, I'm an open book, and I'm going to ask you to put your finger in some places that I know are going to be really, really, really painful, but it's, I believe your promises tell me it's going to be worth it. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's anything offensive in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. God, the things that I can see, show them to me again. The things that I can't see, reveal them to me. God, where I've become complacent and just ignored it and excused it because that's just who I am. God, help me to to press back against that lie. God, show me who I really am and comfort me with this simple truth. Sinners need saviors and there is one. There is one. Don't fill in the blank yet. Hold on one more minute. I've been praying all week. God, please don't let this be an academic exercise. If this just becomes an academic exercise, we're no different than the self-help section across the street at Barnes & Noble. Without God, we're doomed to failure and repetition. Oh, we might have some little breakthroughs, but isn't it amazing that as soon as you get one besetting sin under control, then another one shows up? Anybody else seen that or experienced that? Without God, we're doomed to failure and repetition. With God, there is a victory promise. So before you acknowledge the besetting sin, I would love to pray a prayer that I've been praying all of this week. I'll read it to you first and then we'll pray it together. God, please help me. Help me set aside everything I think I know about myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and especially you. God, I want to have an open mind and experience new things. Let me see the truth in me. Let me see the truth in me, understanding you're a God of grace and understanding thy will be done. Amen. I read it now, would you join me? And we're just going to pray this, and then I've got a bunch more to say. (laughs) God, for all of us in the room right now, I simply pray together. God, help me set aside everything I think I know about myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path in you. God, give me an open mind so that I can experience new things. Let me see the truth in me, understanding you're a God of grace and understanding your will be done. And all God's people said, back to the blank. Some of you were hoping I'd forgotten. (laughs) Back to you, your heart, your life. My besetting sin is blank. My besetting sin is blank blank and whether you could only bring it here or have it drop here or something prompted inside of you to actually type it out or write it out I know it creates pain for you creates pain for me too it can be painful to see because those words or word embody so much pain for you and the people you love and the people that love you back So I want you to hold that right here, okay? Hold it right here. 
And now we're going to put something on the other side to cover it. In the face of your besetting sin, this is what God says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I've got this besetting sin. It's right in front of me. I can't deny it. Scripture says there's a moment when David says, against you only, God, have I sinned. Then there's a covering. The covering we're going to come back to over and over again in this series is Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I'm going to read it again. In the face of my besetting sin, this is God's response. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't run back to it one more time. God is going to give you the strength to break it free, liberate it, let it go, and walk forward. Next week, we're going to talk about an Old Testament patriarch who had an issue with chronic lying. His pain will become our gain. We're going to unpack his story. And it's not fun. It's not pretty. But it's absolutely glorious. We're going to enter into it together. Today, all I wanted you to do was to, to test and see whether you were willing enough to name your besetting sin. It's the first piece. And then we're going to begin to walk forward together. We're going to need each other. We have so many opportunities. If you open CTK Life right now, there is opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to engage in the process of prying whatever that nail is out of the core of your life. I want you to pay really, really, really close attention to that little bumper video. After you see the words break free, you see it pound and pound in, I want you to listen to what follows afterwards. You'll hear a prying and then you'll hear the nail hit the floor where it belongs under your feet and under the feet of your Savior. Rosa Parks became a modern day liberator when she quietly refused to vacate a bus seat on a public bus in Montgomery, Alabama. Her quiet refusal to shift to the colored area of the bus ignited a hope that still burns today. Rosa knew standing up to oppression was going to hurt her, but to her, freedom was absolutely worth it. She embraced the pain knowing that it could lead to not only her freedom, but potentially and possibly the freedom of others. Years later, an interview was done with Rosa Parks. And a journalist asked her why she chose that particular day to draw a line against the injustice of a segregated bus system. Her reply was simple, three words. I was tired. The journalist pressed in thinking that the weariness of a long work day contributed to that iconic moment because she was just too tired physically to move to the back of the bus. But Ms. Parks responded and said, no, 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 not that kind of tired. I was not tired physically or no more tired than I ever was at the end of a long work day. She said, I was not old, although some people have an image of me being old 
She said, I was actually 42. She said, no, the only tired I was was the tired of giving in. Christ the King, are you tired of giving in? Are you tired of running back to something that you hate? Are you weary of giving in to your besetting sin? Then I am here to tell you, today is the first day of freedom. Not because I have anything to say about it, but because Jesus has everything to say about it. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are going to need all of your strength, all of your honesty, all of your transparency, and all of your power. Lord, I pray that today we would acknowledge not only our besetting sin, but the fact that the prison door is open. Lord, we are no longer slaves to the fear that we are never going to change through your power and your transformation. We believe today that change is possible. And it is our hope. And it is our birthright. And it always was a part of your plan. So God, may your perfect purpose be done in our lives. As today we simply acknowledge our besetting sin. Lord, and not get stuck there. To not focus on the sin, but to look to the Savior. We hold on to that today with the promise of full deliverance. Would you walk with us? Give us strength and courage on this journey. May the chains be broken in the name of Jesus. We claim these words as our promise. Break free. We invite you to do that good work in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And the emancipated, liberated, and dearly loved children of God agreed together and said, Amen. There are moments when we have to respond. It's so easy in these kinds of series to just, okay, Grant's done talking. It hurt a little bit, but I'm just going to quick move on. But if we respond to God with what's happening in our hearts, the door swings open a little wider. So church, I'm going to invite you, whether you're at home or whether you're here in the room, would you stand with me right now? We're going to declare our freedom, and then I'll be back to pray and dismiss us.